and welcome to the ArborPod Detective Dendro series. Today's guests are Sharon Lilly and Guy Mayer in the case of the Mysterious Detective Dendro podcast series. This podcast is provided by the International Society of Arboriculture. Hello, I'm Guy Mayer. Since February 2004, members of the International Society of Arboriculture and other readers of Arborist News magazine have enjoyed a diagnostic series featuring Detective Dendro. The founder of this series, ISA's Director of Educational Goods and Services, Sharon Lilly, is here with us today. So tell us, Sharon, where did Dendro come from and how did he get into Arborist News? Well, Guy, the series was actually created in response to member requests for more articles on diagnosis. And the Detective Dendro character was conceived based on a line drawing we had of a Sherlock Holmes-like character. And he was sort of inspecting a tree. Then we gave him a makeover. We had our artist Brian Kotwicka redraw him for a more modern look. At any rate, the goal was to present case studies, either real or fictional, in which the reader could figure out who done it based on a set of signs, clues, and symptoms. As I remember, those first few articles were pretty cut and dried, weren't they? Yeah, at first they were almost like fact sheets. All of the symptoms were classic, and the diagnosis was typically very clear and simple. Huh. If it were that easy in real life, I'd be out of a job. But there are many factors that affect trees and many responses the trees make, and it's all happening at the same time. So it's tough knowing what's going on and tougher yet knowing what to do about it. Exactly. Well, as the series of articles evolved, so too did their complexity. The structure is consistent, though. The client typically contacts Dendro about some baffling tree condition. Dendro goes out to the site and collects all of the information he can. Then as he closes in on the culprit, the reader is challenged to solve the problem before turning to page whatever in the magazine. Right. The solution is always in the second section, and that's where the diagnostic process is concluded. And then prescriptions are made. Or there may be no solution, or there may be nothing to do for the problem, but usually there's a series of arboricultural treatments. Readers range from beginners to experts, so we try to aim for a variety of diagnostic approaches, while hopefully giving something of interest and maybe a little entertainment to everybody. Yeah, the articles are almost like little mystery novels. And you've written more than a dozen of them, Guy. Why don't you give us some ideas of how you come up with these episodes and, and how they evolve? Well, I love mysteries and pulp fiction like my namesake, Guy Noir, The Private Eye on the Radio. In secondary school, my students were dendro detectives solving trees' persistent questions. The articles, oh, about half of them are straight from my own job, so they kind of write themselves. But even the international stories are based on true arboricultural events, just swirled together a little bit for dramatic effect. It doesn't really take much because consulting is real-life detective doc drama and imagining that's always free. One of the things I really like about your Detective Dendro articles is how you weave in confounding clues and you use Dendro's sidekick, Codet, as a vehicle to teach diagnostic and arboricultural practices in kind of a mentor-student relationship. Yeah, I've had as exceptional mentors myself. And coded is just like I used to be, quick to jump to conclusions. But diagnosis, that's a process. It involves trial and error. So coded's wrong guesses are just part of that process. Dendro helps him 
consider all the factors and test his theories, finally guiding Coda down the right path. And once a solution is reached, Dendro shows Coda and the client more about the problem and makes recommendations about treatment and care. As I recall, Guy, one of your articles was a flashback to how Dendro first met Kodit. Why don't you tell us that story? I think that was the case of the Sinister Stripper, which started when Kodit was a Boy Scout seeking a forestry merit badge. He heard a talk at an ISA conference on the Asian Longhorn Beetle, where he rushed out the door, got his Boy Scout hatchet, and started stripping the bark off infested trees to get rid of those pests. The urban forester saw the damage and was totally stumped. So he found Dendro in the hotel bar, dragged him out of there, and took him to the trees. Later on, Arbor Cop was called to enforce the ANSI standards, and Kodit's mom came along and started hitting on Dendro to distract him. Kodit finally confessed, but his mom very effectively pleaded for mercy. So Dendro, or it was Kodit got off with community service and with Dendro's oversight, so he finally repaid his debt to society. Now, as we know, his biology was obviously a little weak, so he had to study arboriculture while working with Dendro. I really enjoyed that one. And I kind of wonder, whatever happened to the relationship between Dendro and Kodit's mother? Ah, Clarice. When she batted her lashes over her baby blue eyes, his heart beat like a million bat wings at twilight. So they may hook up someday. It's hard to say, but Kodit's always around. Yeah, Kodit always comes back. And then we have Arbor Cop. That one kind of came out of a funny but true story about flashing an ISA certified arborist card to establish authority in a tree emergency. Oh, now, Sharon, you wouldn't do such a thing, would you? Well, let's just say the story got a little better with each telling. Anyway, we really did hear about an Arbor Cop in Washington, D.C., a, a real one, and Arborist News ran an article on him. Yeah, I remember that. Uh, Dendro went to the Capitol and learned a lot about balancing political and biological pressures and also balancing the needs of citizens and contractors and co-workers. Tough job. We really enjoy these characters in the Detective Dendro series. We've got Dendro and Kodit and Arbor Cop. Then there's our urban forester, Ashley Green. We, we played these characters up some more. We used them in our introductive, Introduction to Arbor Culture series, the interactive CD-ROMs. Yeah, you know, I still pop in that uh, CD on diagnosis now and then just for a refresher. But all the CDs in that set have great pictures and graphics. And I love the interactions, the way they really pull me in. Yeah, the set was actually designed originally as study material for the Arborist Certification Exam. And we used Dendro and the other characters to make them a little bit more fun in the interactive exercises. Did you know that the, those CDs have more than 750 practice questions for the Certified Arborist Exam? Well, I didn't know that. But those 49 CEUs are great for those of us who are already certified. Yeah, those do come in handy when you're trying to get your credits. But anyway, back to the Detective Dendro series. We've had a lot of characters come in and out of the stories, and different authors bring in different ones. But I like how Dendro is developing a, a certain persona with his various quirks and personality traits. Yeah, Dendro does like jazz, and he, he eats onions all the time to stay alert. He always has an aesthetic appreciation for the ladies, but he keeps his distance. That might be the onions getting in the way. Uh, 
But he, he does get grumpy once in a while, too. Yeah, well, Kodit's clumsiness would try anybody's patience. I also like the recurring use of alliteration. Well, why waste a wacky gimmick when wisdom is within? Oh, that is so bad. Well, you set it up. Those articles and CD-ROMs have delivered these stories visually, but now this is the beginning con uh, beginning podcast to deliver the stories and sound. So Sharon, if someone has an idea for a Detective Dendro article, what should they do? Well, we're always looking for new authors, and we have a few guidelines that we can provide to prospective authors if they contact me at the ISA office. The format that we pass out makes it a little bit easier to write, but authors are also welcome to adapt it a little bit to their own style. Well, the researching that goes into these stories really pays off in a lot of ways, I'm here to tell you. Uh, we get new ideas from all kinds of references, but I wonder, what about maintaining accuracy? Well, Detective Dendro articles, like any articles in Arborist News, go through a technical review process, and every article is reviewed by at least three professionals with technical expertise. Then the authors use this new information to improve their understanding and the story itself. After that, copy editing takes care of the spelling and grammar, so even new writers can produce a professional article. Yeah, and you know, my experience is ISA staff makes this whole process pretty painless. We hope that this Introduction to Detective Dendro podcast series has refreshed your familiarity. Tune into the podcast to get the latest installments. Someday, you may want to write and even record a diagnostic mystery of your own. My first case involving Codit started when I was at an ISA conference in Metro City six summers ago. It was at the end of the second day, and my head was about to bust with all the topics I'd just heard. The day led off with insect epidemics, followed by construction damage, vandalism, the biology of bark, working with weed whackers, domestic wildlife, arboriculture education, and tree wrap, bane or boom. My satchel stuffed with handouts, I retreated to the lounge downstairs and ordered up some hot onion rings and a tall, frosty beverage. I spread my notes over the table and tried to organize them, and my thoughts. There was experimental research, case studies, new tree phenomena observed, and new theories to explain them, new pests identified and described, old practices reviewed and new experiences analyzed, all swirling around the table, and my brain. Somehow digesting all that science is easier when digesting onion rings and beverages. So the waitress easily talked me into another round. The way she sashayed across the floor, she could have talked me into a whole lot more. I started dreaming about lost Lenore, but a man came bursting through the barroom door. "'Dendro!' he shouted. "'Is Detective Dendro in the house?' I didn't know what to make of this guy. He was decked out in khaki dockers, shiny wingtip shoes, and a new green jacket. His face was burning red, and his eyes went wild as he surveyed the crowd. 
I thought he might have been the waitress's mind-reading boyfriend, so I started to duck under the table. Here he is! shouted the guys at the next table, with whom I'd been checking samples of tree wrap from the trade show floor. That's the last time I share my onion rings with those characters, I vowed. Detective Dendro, I'm Metro City Urban Forester Quincy Quirkus, at your service. The red-faced dude introduced himself. His cheeks went from crimson to pink, and his eyes started to focus, so I decided to hear him out. Yeah, Dendro here. Good to meet you, Quince. What seems to be the matter there? Mr. Dendro, it's the most inscrutable phenomena I have ever witnessed. A perpetrator has penetrated the phelum, phelogen, and phloem of our street trees, and the open vessels have been violated. I can't surmise an acceptable explanation. They are proximal to this establishment. We must engage in perambulation. Quirkus grabbed me by the elbow just as the willowy waitress undulated up to the table with my second round, and all I could do was wave. I shrugged and gave her a wink as Quirkus yanked me out the door. We strode around the corner and stopped at the first tree we saw, right in front of a store that was getting remodeled. Quincy wasn't crazy after all. Near the base of the tree, the bark was indeed stripped. I pulled my trusty magnifying glass out of my trench coat pocket and kneeled down to take a closer look. I saw chopped weeds and sawdust and mysterious moisture. In the past I'd seen bark die above girdling roots, so I instinctively reached for my trowel to do a root-collar examination, an RCE. Suddenly a snarling dog whipped around the tree and tore at my dangling belt buckle. I pulled back, and the sight of her hit me like a ton of bricks. Her feet were wedged into plush, pink, manilobonic pumps. Her calves were rippling like musclewood limbs. Her thighs disappeared into the slit of her red dress, which was wrapped around a form so fine it reminded me of exotic tree architecture, the growth of reaction wood and structural pruning. Her gleaming blonde mane wrapped around her movie star face and her sky-blue eyes locked onto mine. My insides started churning, and not just because I missed out on the last half of my meal. I tried to act professional, but my knees were wobbly as I struggled to my feet. Hey, sister, call off your mutt, will you? Good trench coats are hard to find these days. The dame put her lips together and blew, and the mutt let loose so I could straighten up. Her eyes tightened their lock on mine. She smelled as good as she looked. Her perfume made my mind meander back to a magnolia I once got to know very, very intimately. Oh, I'm so sorry, sir. I hope that Igor hasn't caused any harm, she said. My name is Clarice. Clarice Klutz. Dendro's the name, and Arboriculture's the game. No harm done to the coat. It's seen worse, I assured her. It's the bark here that's damaged, and your pooch has given me a clue about the source of this mysterious moisture. Has Igor chewed on trees before? Igor's a puppy, so he chews on everything. Which tool will you use? Is that a laser pointer in your pocket? This dame was distracting me from my duty. That's no laser pointer, that's a folding handsaw, I shot back, closing my coat. If you please, madam, I have assigned Detective Dendro to get to the bottom of this tree damage, and it is imperative that he do so forthwith. Quincy hadn't cooled off much. 
It was hard, real hard, but I tore my eyes off Clarice and started to survey the site. The clues were scattered all around, both abiotic and biotic, construction activity with no protective fencing or mulch, frass, whacked weeds, an out-of-control mutt, mysterious moisture, all kinds of vehicles going up and down the street, shallow oval pits and large round holes in the wood, and an eye-popping dame who was taking me on with one hand behind her back and winning. Which clues were red herrings that were throwing me off the scent, and which would solve the case, I wondered as I continued to scan the scene. My first glance through the magnifying glass didn't show any tooth marks from rodent or canine, no blunt trauma from vehicles or equipment. It was wet near the holes, but was that from the dog? I looked up into the crown and saw the foliage and twig extension looked normal for a city tree. I plucked a big black-and-white insect off the bark and put it in my bug box. It was late July in Metro City, so I wasn't too surprised to find it. Quincy was pacing back and forth so fast I feared he'd wear out his wingtips. Hang on there, Quirkus, I'm closing in, but there's still more evidence to be gathered. The weeds were freshly whacked, but there was also trunk damage, where there were no weeds. I checked the soil for rodent tunneling, but didn't see any. The trunk flares were visible, so the trees had been planted at the right depth. On the surface there was no sign of my nemesis, girdling roots. Those silent, sinister, subterranean stranglers squeezed the life out of so many urban trees. Just the thought of them made my blood boil. The building site was quiet. I wasn't sure when the crews had worked there last. My eyes locked onto the storefront window, and I reflected back to the day's presentations. The solution bounced back at me. What did Detective Dendro deduce? To hear the conclusion of the case of the sinister stripper, tune into the next installment of this podcast series.